Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I'm starting a new series today. And it's entitled, Gifts from the Holy Spirit. And my first point is, who is the Holy Spirit? Because I think it's really important that we receive the gifts from the Holy Spirit. But who, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, a lot of churches and people will talk about God the Father, God the Son. But the Holy Spirit is like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to talk about Him. He's kind of like that crazy uncle that comes to the barbecues and you don't really want to deal with. But the Holy Spirit is, is a person of the Trinity. And so I'll be talking about the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to be talking about the Trinity of God too. So um, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2 and then 26 and 27. In the beginning, and I've, I've underscored some things here in, in the uh, Scriptures just because I want to emphasize some things as we go through these Scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created the heavens and the earth, all right? That's pretty clear. Verse 2, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So I'm emphasizing here, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And when you, I'm not going to go back and read all of Genesis 1, um, but it talks about creation, God created everything. He spoke everything into existence, which is pretty amazing. We talked about, or we sang about today, nothing is greater than the power of God. We sang about that. And can you imagine God's power? He's speaking things into existence. I would like a T-bone steak, and boom, it would show up. I would like a half gallon of bluebell pistachio ice cream. <laughs> You know, if I could speak things into existence, those would probably be some of the things I would be speaking. But uh, on, the, on day one, he, create, he, he separated or created light and darkness. He set, on day two, separated the water in the heavens from the water on the earth, creating sky. On day three, he uh, spoke over the land and the sea and the vegetation. On day four... He created the sun and the moon and the stars. On day five, the birds and the fish. On day six, animals and humans. On the seventh day, he rested. As an example, not because he was tired, but as an example to us that we need to rest. And you notice that on day one, he created light and darkness, but it was on day four that he created the sun and the moon and the stars. God is light. And so the light that was emanating in the, in the earth is, was coming from God, not from the sun and the moon and the stars, because they weren't even created until day four. Then on, in verse 26 and 27, he says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God created us. We didn't uh, evolve from monkeys or from an amoeba or something like that. It's very clear in Genesis that, that we were created. God created us. We are not gods. He, uh, he says uh, he created us. He said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. We are not gods. However, we are created in his image. As a son may reflect the image of the father, 
the dad. He may look like the dad. He may have some of his characteristics. He, ha- he may have some of his personality traits. We have we were created in the image of God, and so we have some of his characteristics. We're gifted. We're creative. We have emotions. We're able to love God and to love others. We choose to be generous. We choose to forgive. We see a lot of the characteristics of God in our own lives. God created us to have a relationship with Him. God is self-sustaining. He doesn't need anything. He, could, he can have anything. He's, as we just talked about, He could speak anything into existence that He wanted. But He created us. Why? Because He wanted to have a relationship with us. And not only did He create us to, to have a relationship with Him and one another, but He gave us dominion and authority over the earth. Power and authority. Let's read on in Genesis 1.26. And they will reign over the fish, speaking of us, they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27. So God created human beings in His own image. Verse 27 continues. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. If we don't understand this, God created us, and He created us in His image. Four times in these scriptures, we read where God created us. We didn't evolve. Three of those times, He says, He reiterates that we are created in His image. Let's go back to slide five, six, and seven. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. So there, we're we're created and we're created in His image, so there's, there's both of those. Uh, verse 6, uh, we, reign, we have the ability to reign over His creation. Verse 7, He created human beings. There's a second time He reiterates that. And the second time that He says we're created, not just created, but in His image. And then verse 27, in the image of God, He created us. That's the third time He tells us that we were created in His image. And that he created us male and female. So there's a third and fourth time that he tells us that we were created. I think he wants us to get something here. Not only were we created, but we were created in his image. I was so blessed when, when Kobe, uh, Pastor Kobe from Miles was here. And, and his daughters were with him. And, and they would call him Abba. That means Daddy. They, had a, they have an understanding of this relationship, this Abba-Daddy relationship that we are supposed to have with our Heavenly Father. He's not some guy up there on a throne with a beard and casting down lightning bolts. He's our Daddy. That's what Abba means. So we're charged to rule and reign over His creation in confidence. Not in arrogance, but not living in fear. He's given us this charge. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. God does not fear. God has great power. He has all power. And He has delegated, He has allocated to us dominion, power, and authority. And this word power here is our our favorite word, dunamis, which means supernatural, mighty power. 
through God's power, we can live in power, we can live in love, and we can exercise self-control. It's what we just read in 2 Timothy here. So are we walking in the authority, dominion, and power, and love, and the things that God has created us to walk in? Are we demonstrating the characteristics of God? Let's go back to who is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking with Thomas and the disciples in John 14, 6 and 7. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this Greek word for truth is aletheia. And it means truth, but not merely the spoken truth, but it also means truth of an idea. It also means reality. It also means divine truth revealed to man. It also means straightforwardness. So in the Greek culture, aletheia meant reality as an opposite of an illusion. It is the truth. And today we see truth sometimes as an illusion. It's not the reality. It's certainly not God's reality. It can be the culture's reality and what they make truth out to be that is different from the reality of God that He has given to us. John 14, 6 continues, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This relationship with the Lord is exclusive through Jesus, not through any other means. In sports, uh, they have a, a term called free agency. And what that means is an athlete has no commitment that restricts their actions. And there is no free agency in God. <laughs> we're either part of the family or we're not. We don't have the latitude to go and do whatever we want or call on this God or do this or, you know, whatever. There's no free agency in God. It's very exclusive. We receive Christ and we become part of His family. But with that comes all of the benefits of having Him as our dad. John 14, 7 uh, uh, Jesus is saying here, he's continuing on, he's saying, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is being very, very clear about the Trinity. He's saying, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the father because we are one. And I love the humanity of the disciples. You know, it, it, it gives me hope. They would ask such stupid questions sometimes. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm not the only idiot here, <laughs> you know, because sometimes we don't grasp the things of God and, and the things that Jesus would say. He would say things like, he said things like, listen, listen, guys, there's more I want to tell you, but you can't grasp this. So let me just give you some basics and let's see if we can grasp this. And so after Jesus says, hey, have you seen me? You've seen the father. Philip says, just show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? <laughs> Jesus and the Father are one. You know, our pastor says, the more you try to take this trinity apart to understand it, the more confusing it gets. God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So there are some things that are just beyond our comprehension, I think. But my first point is, who is the Holy Spirit? 
Let's go back to Genesis 1.1. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Okay, the Spirit of God was there. Where was Jesus? Where is he in this, in this uh, account? Well, let's go to John. Well, I'm not going to actually read this whole passage, but in John 1, chapter 1, 1 through 14, it talks about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word already existed in the beginning, okay? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, speaking of the Word, and then we know in verse 14, the Word became human and dwelled among us. He made His home among us. He is the Father's one and only Son. So clearly, He's talking about Jesus. So where was Jesus? In the beginning, the Word was there. Jesus was there. Everything was created by Him and for Him and through Him. So the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, and Jesus was there in the beginning with God, creating everything. And also, when you guys are, we're all reading through Proverbs, we, we read in Proverbs about wisdom. Wisdom was there in the beginning. God is wisdom. God doesn't just have wisdom. God is wisdom. God doesn't just have love. He is love. Let's read on in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So who is us? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There are three individuals as one. I've used this example, but I'm, I'm not going, I'm going to share it with you today, but I'm going to stop using it. And I've, I've said that the Trinity can maybe be like water. Water can be in three states. It can be a solid as ice. It can be a liquid as water that we drink. It can be a gas as steam. But I think a better example is looking at us. We are created in His image. He's a three-part being. We're a three-part being. Body, soul, our mind, our will, our passions, our intellect, you know, our, our emotions, our emotions, our emotions, and then our, our spirit, man, where, where the Lord resides. I want to read uh, Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. The correct biblical teaching of the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know that there are false doc doctrines being taught out there. You're aware of the prosperity message. Um, give and you will get versus we get to give. Oh, send, you know, $100 and God's going to bless you with a Rolex watch and a million bucks or whatever. But that doesn't reflect the heart of God because God is a giver. John 3, 16. God loved the world so much that he what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the character of God is to give. And those of us that have been walking with the Lord and obedient to the Lord know that he is a giver. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, the word says. Now, we know that uh, when it comes to tithing, that the Lord says, he gives us everything. He says, here, it's all yours, and I want 10% back for my bride. I want 10% back for my church. That's all I'm asking. So he's asking us 
to return to him in faith, but he's giving it to us all, right? He's giving all of it to us, rather. And so when, when we look at God, the character of God, we see that God not only gives us provision and, and finances and the things that we need, but he gives us breath, he gives us life, he gives us gifts, he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. So there's another uh, false teaching that's, that's going out that I've, I, it's probably been around for a while, but it's called modalism. And it, it's what modalism means, I think I'm pronouncing it right, is one God exists as three manifestations. In other words, God is like a shapeshifter. He can be this, he can be Jesus, or he can be God, or he can be the Holy Spirit. But he's, he's not three individual persons in one being. And uh, he's just a single form that change, uh, changes forms, manifests in different ways. Versus the Trinity that says that God is three personal, individual persons. I, I know this is a hard concept to understand, but we, we need to understand it. And because in the end times, we just read that there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be people that are teaching things that are, are not biblically correct. And so we need to know the word, and we need to be able to identify these false teachings. And uh, there's a couple of pastors that, that have been accused of teaching this incorrect theology. And if I told you their names, you would, you would say, oh, I've heard of them, or I've even listened to them on the radio. And they're very well-known pastors, but if they're not teaching, and they're not going to come out and tell you, okay, I'm teaching something incorrect. But we need to know the truth, and we need to know the Word so that we can spot and identify errors within the Scriptures and things that are being taught. If we don't know the Word, then we can be deceived and tricked. And so I want to talk a little bit about the Trinity of God. And I'm not going to go to these scriptures, but these will be familiar uh, um, things that happen that you'll recognize from the scripture. When Jesus prayed to the Father in the garden, he prayed three times. He said, Lord, Father, if it be your will, would you take this cup from me? Nonetheless, your will be done, not my will. So clearly we have two individuals talking, right? We don't have Jesus talking and then jumping over here and being the Father and then jumping back. We have two individual beings. So Jesus is speaking to the Father. Uh, another, another example, when Jesus was water baptized, it says the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. Now, I know we see the pictures and it's a dove on his shoulder, right? It, it never says that it was a dove. It says like a dove, Okay. So the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus like a dove, and the Father said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. Some versions say, In whom I'm well pleased. So we see the Trinity there. We see Jesus being baptized. We see the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. We hear the Father, or they heard the Father speaking. Uh, let's look at Mark um, 1, 10, and 11. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, and the Holy Spirit descending, on, uh, descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. So clearly, we see the Trinity operating as one being, three distinct persons, all operating at the same time. Here's, here's something even more, maybe more important. 
is that Christ paid the penalty for our sins. And, well, let me say this also. If Jesus were just shape-shifting, why would Jesus say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that God looked away at that instant because all the sin of the, the world had been placed upon Jesus at that point in time, and God couldn't look upon sin. But this is probably even more important. If Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins... If he was just shape-shifting, if he was just kind of manifesting here and there and everywhere, if he didn't die for our sins and, and rise from the grave on the third day, all our hope of forgiveness, eternal life with the Lord would evaporate. It wouldn't matter. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are three separate persons, yet one. Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. For some reason, God demanded that there be a shedding of blood for the forgiveness, the remission of sins. And if you think about it, it really started in the, in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, what? God came down and they hid. The first thing, the first rattle out of the box, you see that something changed in Adam and Eve. Because God would walk through the garden and, and they didn't have any problem. Hey, what's up? But now after they sinned, after they ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and even evil, then something happened. And what did they do? They covered themselves with, with leaves. And God made for them clothes out of the skins of an animal. Where did that skin come from? It came from an animal. There was a shedding of blood for sin. And so God instituted that there must be a shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. That's why they had all the sacrifices in the Old Testament. People would come and they would bring their animals. That animal would be the sacrifice, the shedding of the blood for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. And so that's why it's so important that Jesus went to the cross. He is the final atoning sacrifice for all of our sin. That's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, can you imagine how messy and bloody that would be? That would not be a very fun job. I would not like that. <laughs> but Jesus took on all the sins, and he shed his blood for us. And so we need to know the Word. We need to know these things because there are even Christian pastors that are teaching things that are not lining up with the Word of God. And if we don't know the word, we can take the bait, hook, line, and sinker. And these are, you know, listen, the enemy, we know John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to come as a big bad wolf, you know, something grotesque. He's going to come in a manner that's going to be enticing. He's going to come in a manner that's going to draw people away. So who is the Holy Spirit is my first point. We know that he was, he's part of the Trinity. He's with God. So how did he arrive? That's my second point. Jesus is telling the disciples he's leaving in John 14, 15 through 17. And he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Then he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And so remember we were talking about this, this word, this Greek word aletheia. And in the Greek culture it meant reality as in the opposite of illusion. 
The Holy Spirit will come and lead you and guide you into all truth. The real truth. It's not an illusion. It's not something off base from what God has presented. It is the truth. John 14, 17 continues, The world cannot receive Him, speaking of the Holy Spirit, because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. So if we don't have a relationship with the Lord, if, we don't have a, uh, if we're not part of the family, we're not going to be looking for the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking for things that satisfy our flesh. We're going to be doing all these things that you and I used to do, probably. And they don't recognize the Holy Spirit because they don't have this relationship. But you know Him. Because He lives with you now and later will be in you. How does He live with you now? Because Jesus was there. He had the Holy Spirit within Him. So Jesus is saying, He lives with you now and later He will be in you. The Holy Spirit was living in Jesus and would be sent to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. So again, uh, Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to be leaving them in John 16, 5-7 and verse 13. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. He said, instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. And I can imagine in their humanity, they were grieving. They're like, Jesus, really? We've been with you three and a half years, and now you're going to depart. What are we going to do? We've... We've come to this relationship, and you've been teaching us and training us. Don't leave us now. But he goes on to say, Jesus says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Where did Jesus go? He went to heaven. <laughs> In Mark 16, 19. Well, let me say this first. Uh, we talk about Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? The Great Commission. Jesus said, I've been given all authority where? In heaven and on earth. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What else? Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you. Know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. I'll be with you. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth. Well, where's Jesus? Where are you going to be, Jesus? Well, let's read in Mark 16, 19. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, and this is in Mark, after the same thing, he, he gives the Great Commission, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. 1 Peter 3.22. Now Christ has gone to heaven. <laughs> okay. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. What did you say in Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's the Trinity. Part of the, the Godhead, the Trinity. How did he arrive here? Jesus sent him. He said, I leave and then I'll... I'll Ask the Father to send the advocate, the counselor, the advisor. So my third point this morning is, why do we need the Holy Spirit? John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, 
He will guide you into all truth. Again, he will guide you into reality versus an illusion. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. Do you think God realizes that we need some insight sometimes? Consider some of the words the Holy Spirit's given to us over the past five years. Eleven months before COVID hit in 2019, the Lord spoke to me and said, we're in a reset. We're in the process of moving from a couple of buildings that we were leasing, but little did I or probably anyone realize the, the global reset that was about to happen. In 2020, the world as we know it will soon come to an end, like two weeks before the George Floyd incident happened. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. It's different now. It will never go back. It cannot go back to the way it was. Think about all the things that have happened since 2020. In 2021, prepare. That was the one word the Lord gave to me that, that morning. Prepare. And uh, last year, the Lord spoke to me again. Are you prepared for my return? I'm returning soon. Are we listening? The Holy Spirit will come and tell you of things in the future. God is speaking to His people. Not just to me, but others. I'm hearing other confirmations of the same things that the Lord is speaking to us. He's telling other people. Because there are other people that are connected to this family. That have a relationship. That God is saying, hey, I'm pouring out my Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you of things to come. Why? So you can be ready. So you can be prepared. So you're not blindsided. Are you listening? And then this year, he said, release those who stubbornly refuse to yield to me. You know, sometimes we pour into people that are sieves. They're not interested in growing. They're not interested in, the, in their relationship with the Lord. Some people are just more interested in complaining about, you know, things. Well, okay, look, why don't you do this? And they're, they're still complaining. Well, have you, have you done what the godly counsel that I've given you? No. Well, then don't come talk to me until you do this. And so God is telling us, release those who stubbornly refuse to yield to him. Why do we keep pouring water into a sieve that it's just draining out? And he said, pour into those who are genuinely seeking me. Time is short. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is giving us insight. Why? Because He loves us. He cares about us. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into some truth. He will guide you into all truth. Reality, not illusion. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me joy by telling you Whatever he receives from me. Again, we see this connection here with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. Jesus is saying he's going to testify of me. He, he'll tell you what he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. They're working together in tandem. 
And the Holy Spirit helps us, Romans 8, 26. Another reason, why do we need the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Have you ever been in that situation like, God, I don't even know what to pray. This thing is so messed up. How can, how can you help me pull back all these layers and even know what to pray for? Verse uh, 26 continues, But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe you're hurting so badly that it's just your, your heart is broken and you're just crying out and you don't even have words to say. I told the men that I went on this event that I encouraged all the men to go to and only two have gone. It's called The Quest. And it's, it's an intense time where you get alone with God that you can't receive in an hour and a half on Sunday morning or you know, a, a day of fasting and prayer where you get alone with God for five days and God does something deep. And one of the days you go out on your own, you fast and you pray and you just go out into the woods and you get alone with God. And all this time they're prepping you to receive with the scriptures and, and everything that they're giving you. It's all godly. It's nothing unbiblical or weird or anything like that. It's about encountering Jesus. And I went out that day, and as I began to follow what they asked us to do, God began to rip my heart open. And there were things that were coming out of me that I don't even know what it was. But it was like this groaning. If, if someone was, would have been able to hear me close by, they would have thought that I was getting beat up or something. But it was deep within my soul, this stuff was coming out that God was removing. As, as God was bringing healing, He was bringing things to my mind about my relationship with my earthly dad. Bringing things to my mind about when, and you know, you guys know the story, when I was three, almost four, my, my bro, I watched my brother drown. When I was 10 or 12, I walked into a room where my aunt had blown her brains out and there was blood all over the place. And God began to bring some healing into my life from those traumatic events. And so that's what he's talking about. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. Sometimes there's stuff deep within us or, or deep within a situation that we can't even express verbally. But the Holy Spirit is able to, to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives and help us maybe to understand or to express some things in nonverbal words. And, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings and utterings that can't be expressed in words. Jude, Jude 20 says we need to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit at all times because we are built up. And so I'll talk about that later in the series. What's the difference between speaking in tongues and, and praying in the Spirit and singing in the Spirit and singing with understanding? We're going to talk about some of these things because it's important for us to understand the gifts from the Holy Spirit and, and their uses 
how we're supposed to use the gifts. Because I think there's some misunderstanding sometimes in how the gifts are used. When you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it's very clear. But yet we don't see that often demonstrated. And so we're going to be talking about some of those things. But Romans 8, 27, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleases uh, the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. So we have the Advocate, we have the Counselor, we have the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf, pleading for us in harmony with God's will. We're unable to separate the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They're one. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. God is spirit. Spirit is Jesus. You know, just like you can't, I can't separate my body. If I, if I took Cliff's body and put my soul and my spirit, you, and Cliff showed up and he says, hi, I'm Mark. Be gone. Mark's not that good looking. <laughs> if, you, if you took my soul and uh, placed it in, in, in Steve Palman's, body and his soul and mine he might say some things or i might say some things that would be like that that doesn't really sound like you and steve was saying hey man i can't wait to go play some drums i didn't know you played drums steve well i have a passion for it now so you can't take part of me and make me a hybrid of somebody else and me be me and then be them so the Holy Spirit is, and the Father and the Son are one. And you can't separate them. So who is the Holy Spirit? It's part of the Trinity, part of God. How did he arrive here? Jesus sent him to speak to us, to lead us and guide us into all truth. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I don't think I have to answer that one. We need, we, need to, we need to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive. So whenever I pray, the, after the, the altar call prayer, right, when people receive Christ, what do I pray? I pray that, that people will be able to have the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Because I, I think there are people that are saved that have accepted Christ but the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk this thing out. It's like getting in a car. You have the car. You can go somewhere. But if you don't have any gas in the tank, you're not going to get very far. 